Hi, I'm Gabby Herculano. And I'm Shella Lika. And this is Climate Talk with Gabby and Shella, a weekly podcast in which we talk to an array of fascinating people from all corners of the business and financial world about their solutions for creating a decarbonized planet and a climate habitable for all. Come join us as we push toward a greener future. Hi, I'm Gabby. And I'm Shella. We're super excited. We're going to be speaking to Stacy Cheng today. Stacy is a Wharton MBA. We met her about five years ago at Wharton at a reunion, and she was telling us all about a company that she had just started. She produces vegan shoes. That's right. The company is called Vera, and it's been a fascinating journey for her, I'm sure. We can't wait to ask her more about it. Stacy, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. There's so much we want to ask you about, but we like to start by asking everyone what their journey has been. I know you've done a number of things. You had a role working with Coach in New York and Estee Lauder in Hong Kong. Uh, yes. You acquired uh, an MBA from Wharton, same place that Gabby and I went to along the way. So what was that journey that brought you now to this great product of vegan shoes? And if I can ask as well, I noticed on your website, you completed that Iron Woman triathlon wearing a pair of one of your high heel shoes. So I would love to hear more about that as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much. First, I'm so happy to appear today, share my story. Yeah. So Vera just turned five years old last week. So it's really exciting. I feel I just started yesterday, but also I feel I've been doing this for like 30 years. You know, it, it just uh, feels be such a long journey, but there's still so much more I want to do. I feel we just got started. But when I really just started was I was still working with Estee Lauder in Hong Kong. And I remember the time I was, uh, I went to a conference and at the time just feel like as a woman, why do I bring so many stuff with me? Like, why is that I have to bring a spare shoes to a conference in a really nice hotel? And then where do I change my spare shoes? It's in the hotel lobby, in the bathroom, just all that, right? You know, many women go to conference feel the same way. Like you have to prepare so many things along with another spare shoes that for comfort because you have to walk to subway, et cetera. And I just feel as a woman, it got to be a better solution. Why can I just focus on going to the conference network and then do the best I can versus I have to worry about other things. How do I look? How's my shoes? Am I comfortable? All that. So I think that's where really I sparked the idea of Vera. Like I feel there's so many, even in the fashion industry, it's very male dominant industry, right? Most of designers are males. I don't think they really understand what they are putting women through when they design a pair of shoes. What's our lifestyle like? You know, how we go about our day to day. So that's how the idea really started. I just want to make better shoes for myself. And I'm sure there's many women will feel resonate the same idea. Then I start thinking about, okay, I don't want to just make another pretty shoes, but what are important value for myself? So then I think about, you know, being uh, a vegetarian for since, you know, 2005. I really believe that I don't want to harm any animals, but at the same time, I don't want to sacrifice my style. So that's kind of like thinking about as I'm developing this new line, what are important values for me and how can I making sure my value and my closet are aligned? So that's how I got uh, started. And then along the way, I think, you know, starting a business is really, really tough. Probably you both know as well, starting your new bonds. It, it just need to find a way to find a better balance. Um, to feel like even work is hard, but I need to be have something else on the one side to accomplish something for myself to keep my keep myself safe. 
So that's why I started doing a lot of triathlon races. And I feel it's really great to, to feel something else in my life. I can something uh, solid to accomplish. You know, I know if I go for a run, I know for sure I'll get better, stronger. And then I see my next race, how my time improves. And that's why you saw a picture of, I did Iron Girl race last year and I'm actually doing a half Ironman next year. I'm really excited. I just signed up and I always like to bring our shoes uh, to those races because I feel really embody that what Vira is about. You know, Vira means warrior in Sanskrit because I believe we are all warriors, right? So that's take our, uh, that spirit to go out there and conquer the world and then while making a better impact. It's an impressive mm-hmm. journey. And I think, Stacey, I'm, I'm 10 years ahead of you at, at Wharton and we met on campus at one of our, our reunions yeah. and then subsequently in New York. So I'm familiar with your story and I do own quite a few pair of your shoes and I love them. Starting a business is the challenge in itself, but the supply chain is not in place. And I think you have right. family in Taiwan and that has played a role. We keep thinking about different industries where a lot of innovation is taking place. So tell us more about how did you start? How did you start designing the shoes mm. and thinking about these completely different materials that you're using? And tell us more about all of the different kind of yeah. the ingredients that the shoes are made mm. of. Yeah, so even though I've always been like retail fashion related industry, I have never been in the footwear. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons I decided to do footwear because I didn't know how hard it would be, right? I just see like shoes everywhere. How hard can that be? It's actually really, really hard. If I've known it, probably I would rethink about if I want to do footwear. Uh, but at the time I didn't know, in the beginning I started, I actually went to Milan to learn about footwear design and manufacturing, just understand like how factories actually work. And then, then I spent a lot, in the beginning, I spent a lot of time, you know, in Europe as well, Asia, in China and Taiwan to look for the right manufacturing partners and the sourcing partner as well. And, and it's, it's a lot of challenges. One is um, a lot of factories, you need to meet the minimum, which, which, you know, definitely don't meet the minimum. Uh, and even if factories are willing to work with you, the sourcing itself is very challenging because factories really just, you know, they didn't buy letters, whatever materials from another suppliers, right? So that supplier also have their minimum. So every little piece have also has minimum, hardware has minimum. So even if you find one supplier willing to work with you, they also have their own suppliers needing to deal with. So in order to overcome that, I actually did a lot of sourcing myself. So I tell factory, you just help me to make the shoes. I'll do all of it for you. Just help me to put it together. Like instead of asking for money, he's asking, can you please work with me? And then for them to really believe in my vision, want to partner with me, help me to make my uh, initial collections. And it is a set amount of work to make 10 pair of shoes versus 10,000 pair of shoes. That's, you know, if not even more work, just made that 10 pair because the, they also need to do a lot of developments and then testing. And with all this uh, new type of material, we need to rethink about, is, does the glue still work? Does the backing still works? It just takes a lot of uh, trial. And so it requires a lot of patience from our manufacturers as well to do a lot of different testing. So I think it's really important to uh, really keep that communications with factories that I'm personally in the factories a lot of time. I think a lot of time, most brands just you know, have outsourced that QC and then um, sourcing and production outside or working with consulting, et cetera, or trading company to start. But I think for me, it's very important, like be on the ground, working with factories directly, working with the factory owners so they understand our visions, talking to the factory workers too. So they look at this, they know this is not letter. And in general, 
when they make non-leather shoes, that means they want to cut costs. So maybe their mindset is, oh, this is not leather, so I, I don't need to be as detail-oriented. So I have to be there telling them, no, no, no. The challenging here is you are making shoes, not leather, but have to look and feel better than leather shoes. So I have to be there to explain that, the concept and, uh, to them. And so it does take a lot of my energy, but it's really interesting to work with partners who actually make our shoes in the supply chain. And then, uh, Gabby, can I go back to um, your second part of questions about sourcing? So that starting off is also going to a lot of different trade shows, looking at uh, new materials. And specifically for um, Apple Peel Letters, um, I saw it was on TV actually to start. Uh, there was a Paris uh, Climate Change Conference. I see a group of uh, scientists take like a letter chair made out of apple peels. I was so fascinated by that. I think they were so crazy. Then I started trying to look for the information, contact them, and then say, can, you, can I use the same material for shoes? They were like, not ready, not ready. But then I just keeping asking every six months or so. So eventually you say, yeah, this new material, I think maybe you can try for shoes now. So then we were able to do that and then test it out and then become the first brand we're able to launch a collection made out of Apple Peel Letter. That's so fascinating to hear and inspiring as well. Traditional industries and how people may not have thought of how they can evolve, but the kind of options that might be available. So wonderful mm. to hear. Can you tell us a little bit also about the demand side? How important is that sustainability angle to the clients, the, the people buying your shoes? And how have you seen that change? How do you gauge that? Yeah, I think for anyone who, most people who purchase a pair of shoes, it has to be functional and look good. That's the, the, the initial intention by a pair of shoes because I want to look good in this occasion, I want to feel good or feel comfortable to go out and work, et cetera. So I think it's very important thing is, you know, the aesthetic wise and the function wise, it has to make the mark first. Then you tell them not just about, it's not just about a pair of pretty shoes, but with all this innovation in terms of the comfort and then the design and the materials, that's how we can, we cook them. And then we see a lot of repeat purchases. And I think afterwards they start to learn more about the brands. Uh, they realize, wow, there's more to it. And then they come back more and more. But I definitely think in the beginning, you have to make sure you fulfilled the product uh, needs and um, expectation. So you bring sustainability to the product in, in many different ways, right? So the materials is one aspect, but it's also this aspect yeah. of um, a rational purchase, right? So you have all the accessories that you can use to give different looks. So you, it's the same pair of shoes, right, right, that you use during the day at the office. And then in the evening, you accessorize and... Right. So it's making that rational consumption. Now that you're so close to your, your users and your buyers, do you see different demographics yeah. giving importance to this kind of sustainability and rational consumption? Is this a trend that you think it's, it's going to be a very big one? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, the one I'm thinking of our customers. It's not necessarily in terms of we have very wide range of customers from like early 20s to like you know, early 60s. I think in this age-wise, it's not as important for us, but it's more on the value they care, like the belief system, the value they, they want something, high quality products. They don't want to compromise on their style. But at the same time, they understand the impact of the consumption. So they are looking for better options. I think part of our customers really looking from the sustainability angle. And then also a very big group of customers who are very passionate about like the veganism as well as animal well-being. So we have a lot of customers really, really don't want to hurt any animals from their daily life, right? So I think that part's definitely really attracted to them. Like they, 
they feel like I, I want something that still can express my style, but align with my own value set. So that I think that's where um, we continue to see like, you know, where our customer find this important thing is, you know, you know, making sure they, they want it all. They want style, they want comfort, they want, um, you know, the material that is better for the environment. And yeah. how do you see also the supply chain and the sourcing of the materials evolving in the next few years? You mentioned at the beginning, it was hard to even convince the, the yeah. producers and the suppliers of the apple peels to provide their material for shoes. So do you see yeah. that getting easier? It, you know, are there more and more options now? Is it becoming more mainstream or is it still several years away from that? I think definitely it's more, I want to say easy, but definitely it's, there are more options these days. And I think this is overall trend is more demand. So now our suppliers are more willing to put investment behind it and thinking about not just Apple letter, but also like just in general, uh, made out like recycled plastic bottles. There's a lot of innovation with different other plant-based materials because they, they hear a lot of people are asking for it and bigger brands are asking for it as well. So I definitely feel like now there are more manufacturers that are willing to put more resource behind it, doing more studies. And even one of our partners before he was making handbag, and now he sees that um, with the Apple Peel's success, it, he actually now starting doing more developments, changing, completely changing his supply chain. Now he's doing development for different type of plant-based material. So I, I think definitely it's going to the, the, the right direction, but it does take a lot of uh, time and resource to do all the different type of uh, testing. But I'm, I'm very optimistic. And Stacey, we always like to talk about, with our guests in the show, about 2030 predictions. Yeah. We have a 10-year kind of horizon. Um, so if you were to extrapolate from what you're seeing, where things were five years ago when you started and where where it is right now, you're yourself, you're, you're a very global citizen, right? So you, you have um, a view of um, the supply chain, production, consumers across the planet. Where do you think we're going to be the fashion industry is going to be in 2030, um, consumer preferences, generally speaking, across different generations. Give us a, a little bit of where you think uh, we're, we're leaning towards, um, you know, from your perspective. Right. I, I definitely think we are just uh, the world as a whole become more interconnected, right? That's even thinking about our products, we have just, you know, one shoes have so many different um, suppliers from different parts of the world to make things together. I think that'll continue to be the case that, you know, every supplier or country have their uh, specialties and then we bring every the best thing all together. I think that it just will continue to happen that the world needs to collaborate better. And I think with all the technology developments, I think things will happen more efficiently uh, for sure. But I do think as a, from uh, consumer interaction parts, um, it actually will need more personalizations to feel more, you are not just another number. Because I feel like there's more things we actually want to do make customer feel like the product we provide for her is made for her, not just for everyone's. And I think from product developments as well as customer service communications, it becomes very important that you take everyone as a, as a person and really trying to uh, feel that they are connected with a person, not just a number. So I think in the long run, is who the brand who's gonna win? Yes, they need to really, you know, utilize, embrace all the new technology. But at the same time, not to forget the basic human being interactions. How can I 
um, take care of my customer in a more personalized level. So I think that's also uh, very important. And from the fashion and sustainability aspect of things, I do think that wouldn't be as niche like today. I, I still think even though a lot of people are talking about sustainability, et cetera, I, I hope it's not become just a buzzword and not really have much meaning to it, you know. But I do think that being seen in the supply chain side, there's doesn't matter what's their intention. Is it because better business or is it because they have, you know, vision for the environment? I don't mind what their our suppliers' intention are, but at the end of the day, they are putting resource behind it, trying to make better product, trying to think about how can we reduce our waste, how can we reduce our energy and uh, water and all that. So I do think that in the future, they will have better um, pro- products that's made out of better materials. And that will be part of just given you have to do that. So as a brand, we need to continue thinking about what else we can do to innovate. Well, we will yeah. be watching that closely with eagerness. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stacey, for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure and fascinating to hear your story um, and all the great work that you're doing. So good luck. And we hope to have you back soon again. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stacey. It was great to catch up. Thanks for listening. Climate Talk is produced by Spark Network. You can listen to Climate Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your shows. To find out more about us, visit us at iClima.Earth. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. See you next week.